When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. We are going back to school on this episode in celebration of all the kids and college students going back to school. I have for you my top 10 high school and college movies of all time in the movie review. I'll be talking about DC's Blue Beetle, a movie that warmed my little Mexican heart. And in the trailer park, we'll be talking about a sequel to an unexpected comedy hit, Vacation Friends 2, coming to you soon on Hulu. Thank you for being subscribed. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And now, movie crew, let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. The summer is winding down, kids are going back to school, college kids are filling up Target so I can't get my almond milk, and I want to share with you my top 10 high school and college movies of all time. That's right, it is time to go back to school, back to school. So let's break down the rules for this list. Similar to an episode I did last week about the top summer movies of all time, these movies completely have to embody the high school and or college experience. I almost did a top five college. I almost did a top five high school. But I realized in the spirit of back to school, let's combine them all together to give you the ultimate experience to relive your high school or college days. First of all, they have to take place in high school or college. And as I go through this list, I will relate different movies to my life. And I'm also throwing out the rule, no sports movies. I feel like those are in a completely different genre. So you won't find any sports movies on my list or superhero movies. So let's kick it off. At number 10, I have a movie from 2012 called Project X. Even though I was out of high school in the 2010s, I feel like this movie is a complete representation of what was going on at that time. The movie is about three friends who are basically nobodies in high school. They are seniors and they are trying to make their mark on the legacy of their high school career. So what do they do? They throw the ultimate party of all time, completely shutting down their entire your neighborhood at one point there's police and helicopters it's a very extreme case of a party but growing up and going to parties in high school that i was not invited to i very much felt like what these three kids felt like in this movie a complete nobody an outcast and somebody who just wanted to do one thing to leave an impression on your entire class and the movie starts out innocent enough and then it just keeps escalating and escalating until pretty much this party is going to ruin not only their college life, but probably their life after this. And I think this movie is a great representation of the 2010s where it seemed like everybody was just partying. If you turned on the radio, everything was like, let's live life like it's gonna end tonight. Let's go to the club. Everything was so dance centric and just let's live in the moment and everything is gonna be fine. And now a decade later, 
I'm looking at myself and thinking, everything was not fine, Pitbull. We are struggling now. And it's all because you told me to party in the 2010s like there was no tomorrow, but now there are repercussions. But there's one song on this soundtrack that just, I feel like, couldn't spark anybody who grew up or went to college or high school in the 2010s. And it is the Steve Aoki remix of Kid Cudi's Pursuit of Happiness. Like, that's all I need to hear to invoke the emotions of the 2010s. Just those few notes. So this is such a fun movie, maybe one you missed because it was one that just kind of came out in a mix of all these outlandish comedies in the 2010s, kind of riding the coattails of everybody wanting another hangover. But I love this movie so much. So at number 10, I have Project X. At number nine, I'm going back to 2004 and it is Napoleon Dynamite, which I feel greatly encapsules the awkwardness of high school. And that is how I describe my high school experience. I was the elite level of awkward in high school because I didn't speak much and when you don't speak much in high school you very much become an outsider. I was very much in this weird position kind of like Napoleon Dynamite in this movie but Unlike Napoleon Dynamite, I think like my bullying kind of weared off in high school and I was just weird for the sake of being weird. But I think it was because the fact that I didn't really say a whole lot that I didn't really have a whole lot of people just go out of their way to ridicule me like they do Napoleon Dynamite. But I was just so far in the background that I kind of just evaporated into nothingness. I almost didn't exist in high school because I was so awkward. I didn't say enough things for people to have an opinion on me. I just kind of existed and went through every day feeling kind of invisible. There were a lot of lunches alone and a lot of time I just spent inside my head. So I feel like when Napoleon Dynamite came out, I felt like, man, there is a character who is kind of like me. If I was a little bit more outgoing and ridiculous with my awkwardness that was all hiding inside of me, I would very much be a Napoleon Dynamite. And what I love about Napoleon Dynamite and the way it represents high school is it's so quirky, it's so off the wall, and also when this movie came out, it became such a cultural impact that we were quoting every single line from this movie, like this one. Your mom goes to college. And for some reason, there were all these quotes that became so big that at the time, I didn't even fully get it. Like, why is this quote so memorable? Your mom goes to college. I don't know, but I hear that, and it immediately puts me back into watching Napoleon. Napoleon Dynamite and why I feel this movie embodies the high school experience is because it's all about those awkward years. It's about being weird. It's about doing something ridiculous like running for president when you have no chance of winning. It's also about having crushes on people out of your league. Very much identified with Pedro in this movie trying to go for the most popular girl in school and failing completely also because there was a language barrier which I also feel on another level. So at number nine I have the quirkiest high school movie of all time Napoleon Dynamite. At number eight, we're going back to the 80s, a decade that was just filled with so many high school and college movies, I think because they were relatively cheap to make. And also at that time, we're just speaking so much to people going to watching movies. So it was very much a representation of that generation, which every good high school and college movie should be. But one that I feel is a little bit off the wall and almost doesn't even fit in with the category of all the movies of the 80s that were for teenagers at that time. It's 1986 Back to School starring Rodney Dangerfield. He plays this self-made millionaire and he has this successful chain of plus size clothing stores, which is such a bizarre plot. But you think of Rodney Dangerfield, one of the greatest comedians of all time, and that is a role that only he could do. And he is trying to help his son who is going through college, not having a good time. Rodney Dangerfield's character is going through a lot personally as well. So he decides to go back to school with his son. And he enters college as a student himself. So it's almost like the reverse of Billy Madison. And to me, this represents college in the 80s and very much a snapshot into what you could get away with in the 80s. But I feel like Rodney Dangerfield's comedy, even though maybe at today's standards isn't always politically correct, it always had a very wholesome attitude to it. And you could very much get the idea of that in the trailer for this movie back in 1986. When I used to dream about going to college, this is the way I always pictured it. Wait a minute, when did you dream about going to college? When I used to fall asleep in high school. What a woman. She is the teacher. I know, I like teachers. Do something wrong to make you do it over again. What do you say you and I have dinner tonight? Actually, I'd like to join you, but I have class tonight. Why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? 
So if you're just a fan of classic comedian humor, this is such a fun movie to watch and I feel still holds up pretty well. So at number eight, I have Back to School starring Rodney Dangerfield. At number seven, another movie from the 80s. I have Stand and Deliver. I wanted to put a little bit more of a serious high school movie and one that greatly represents the struggles that Mexican-Americans like myself have in high school. The reason I feel this movie is a great representation of high school from the perspective of somebody who either has parents that come here from another country or you yourself have come here from another country and are trying to assimilate to American culture in a system that isn't really geared towards you or your success. And that is what you see in Stand and Deliver. You have Edward James, almost his character, who plays the East L.A. math teacher trying to motivate this group of students living in L.A. to take their AP calculus very serious, to try and get them to go from not caring about school to testing highly in AP calculus in their senior year. So you have all these students that do want a better life, but they just never had a teacher tell them that they had it in them. I feel like growing up, I saw kids make really bad decisions and end up in jail or in prison. And I realized that I didn't really want that for myself. And growing up, I didn't really have a whole lot of examples to teach me how to do things correctly. My sister was the first female and the first person ever on any sides of my family, my mom's side or my dad's side. She was the first one to go to college and to graduate college, and I ended up becoming the first male. And we didn't really have any kind of roadmap to go on because my parents came here when they were teenagers. They didn't make it out of elementary school, so they didn't go to high school, much less college. So really what I relied on was having teachers tell me that there was something more out there for me. I think the first time I ever had that was in elementary school. I had a teacher named Miss Jeter who was the first one to speak to me in a way that even in the third grade felt like I wasn't just a kid. And she recognized my background and my culture and didn't really try to change that, but rather make that the thing that made me special and was the first one to see potential in me And I think that was the first example for me that somebody actually cared about me, much like Jaime Escalante did in Stand and Deliver. And that's probably why Edward James almost received an Oscar nomination for this role. So one of my favorite movies and a great depiction of high school life for Latinos. That's why number seven, my pick is Stand and Deliver. At number six, I have never been kissed. It's about Drew Barrymore's character who plays a reporter named Josie who goes back to high school to do an investigative piece and discover the real life of teenagers in high school in the 90s. And through this assignment, she is able to relive high school. But instead of being the most unpopular person in high school, she's able to turn the tables now that she is an adult and tries to become the most popular person in high school. The crazy thing about this movie is First of all, growing up, this was the high school experience I wanted. I was eight years old when I first saw this movie and I thought, I want to be a teenager. I want to go to high school because everything is going to be cool. And by the time I got to high school, I realized that it's not as cool as it's made out to seem. The other crazy thing to me, looking back on this movie now, is at the time, this was such a ridiculous thing and unheard of. But now... It seems like every few months I see a story about this happening in real life where there is a 25 or 30 year old going back to high school and posing as a student. And at the time when this movie came out, the plot seemed so believable to me. You rooted for her to be able to get that final kiss at the baseball game. Looking back on it now, this would never happen in real life. She would be in jail. It would be all over TikTok with all these theories. And in no multiverse... Would that final scene happen? But since it's a movie and you can throw out all the real world stuff, it's a great one. So at number six, I have never been kissed. At number five, we're going back to the 70s. And it's one of the most classic college movies of all time. I have 1978's Animal House from National Lampoon. It's a movie about two fraternities going head to head. One is the group of misfits and the other is a group of handsome young men who want to take them down. You learn a lot about life in Animal House. You learn about fraternities, sorority life, college politics, and a lot of party culture, which the first time I watched this movie, I thought this is exactly what college was going to be. 
partying nonstop and then every now and then going to class. But I thought college was going to be a nonstop ride like this. And it turns out it's really not that. And I think it's because I didn't really have the traditional college experience. When I graduated high school in 2009, I first went to community college. I knew I wanted to get out of Waxahachie, Texas, my hometown, because for me, I just needed to see the world a little bit more. I needed to go be on my own to fully experience life and find my own way. And I knew staying there, I would get too comfortable. I would never pursue the things I wanted to pursue in life. And That's fine for some people, but for me, I knew I needed to get out of there if I ever wanted a chance of pursuing what I want to do now. So I left Waxahachie and I moved to Austin, Texas, and you think, oh, you probably went to the University of Texas first, or maybe even Texas State, but that's not what I did. I went to community college first. I went to Austin Community College, shout out to the Riverbats, because I really needed to figure out what I wanted to do. I think that time in your life is so crazy. You're 17, 18 years old, and you have to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. What do you want to go study? That was so overwhelming to me that I realized I just needed to go to community college, knock out my basics, and after a couple years, reassess and figure out exactly what I wanted to pursue. And even then, I was still like, I still have no idea what to do. I took so many different classes and so many different majors that I just ended up getting all over the place. So I think for that reason, since I didn't live in a dorm, not only in those first two years, but ever, I never had this party experience like an animal house or in like all those classic college movies where you're just meeting people and partying. And it's all just one fun wild ride. I never really had that after community college. I transferred to Texas State. And even then I was working, I was interning. So the time I was on college campus, I was just there to go to class, do my homework and go back and do it all over again. So I never really fully experienced that college life. Not to say I didn't party a little bit, but it wasn't the fun partying like you see in Animal House. It was really just hanging out with my friends and blowing off steam on the weekends. So I feel like if there's one thing I regretted from my college years was not going to live on campus at least for a year or two. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I feel like I'm missing something because I just thought that college was supposed to be like Animal House. So therefore, I thought I failed. And Animal House has one of my favorite comedic scenes of all time. Whenever the crusty, bitter old dean is reading their midterm grades and they are all terrible. Mr. Blue, Mr. Blutowski, zero point zero. You're out. Finished at Faber, expelled. I want you off this campus at nine o'clock Monday morning. And I'm sure you'll be happy to know that I have notified your local draft boards and told them that you are now all, all eligible for military service. So that is why I have Animal House from 1978 at number five. At number four, I have Superbad. The chokehold this movie had when it came out in 2007 on everybody I feel like it was the last raunchy comedy of this era. It was the most successful comedy of 2007 back when multiple comedies were coming out a year. I feel like at least every few weeks you would get a new comedy in theaters. It's just not like that anymore. The reason this movie was so successful was because of the cast. You had Jonah Hill. You had Michael Sarah, you have Christopher Mintz-Plasse as McLovin, you have Judd Apatow producing the movie, you have Seth Rogen and Bill Hader. It is an amazing comedic cast. It's like the Avengers of comedy. And the premise really wasn't anything different from the raunchy teen comedies that came before it. It's a bunch of high school kids trying to lose their V-card, much like 1999's American Pie. I think what made this movie so great was all of the memorable lines and quotes, which I feel like ran rampant in the 2000s. Every single comedy that came out was just a banger with a quote that could easily be slapped onto a t-shirt, thrown onto a bumper sticker, but most importantly, be repeated by every single high school after they saw a movie like Superbad. This movie was so over the top. I love that it takes place entirely in one day. But I feel like the character that really stole the show in this movie was the one and only... McLovin! Nice! Although I do feel a little bit like this movie suffered from being overhyped. 
So I very much feel like it was right time, right place for this movie to come out in 2007, which is overall one of my favorite years of film of all time, if not my favorite year. I always kind of go back and forth between 2007, 2019, or 1994. But this year was just so formative on my taste that it will always be a classic for me. It taught me about partying. It taught me about underage drinking. In the end, it taught me a lot about being myself. So at number four, I have Super Bad. Getting into the top three now, at number three, I have 2004's Mean Girls. This movie is great from beginning to end. I can hop into this movie at any point, whether it be 30 minutes in, in the last 10 minutes, and I sit down and watch the rest of this movie. It has a great cast with Tina Fey, Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams. It has the memorable lines. She doesn't even go here. And what I love about Mean Girls and the reason I feel it really encaptures that high school experience is it so much speaks to the clicks that you have in high school and not just that, but how important it was to fit in and be accepted by everybody. And that's what Lindsay Lohan's character goes through in this movie. And at first she doesn't fit in with the popular crowd, the plastics. And she starts hanging out with who would end up being her truest friends. And she just didn't really realize it at the time. And together they get the idea to infiltrate the plastics and bring their reign of terror down but during that process, she ends up becoming a plastic herself, forgets about the plan, and ends up letting down her first friends down in the process. And I think what this movie taught me about high school is it's so important just to be yourself and not caring about what other people think. My biggest regret, I told you in college, was not partying enough, not partying in the traditional college sense. But my biggest regret in high school was caring so much about what people thought about me. I think I actually would have had more friends in high school or any friends in high school if I just wouldn't have cared about what the people I was trying to impress thought about me. I wanted to be cool even though I wasn't cool. I should have just accepted the fact that I was kind of a weirdo, kind of a loser into music that nobody else liked. I dressed in all black so people thought I was some emo goth kid I should have just owned that and been friends with the other people like me and stopped trying to impress these people that I was never going to win over and I think what I learned in Mean Girls is that small group of friends you have that maybe aren't the coolest to everybody but they are so loyal and they know you better than anybody be friends with those people, hang out with those people and don't care what anybody else thinks because in the end, those are going to be the people who will always have your back and high school is so fleeting that I'm not friends with anybody I was friends with still in high school. I hardly even talk to them. The only time I really see those people now is on Facebook. But I think I would have had a much better time if I would have just allowed myself to accept who I was and be friends with who I wanted to be friends with. And I probably would have had a better time in high school and probably even had a girlfriend in high school, which I never did. So Mean Girls taught us about clicks. It taught us about being cool, but most important about finding your true friends. And that is why I have it at number three. At number two from 2003, I have Old School. Talk about a movie with an amazing cast. Will Ferrell, Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, directed by Todd Phillips, who would go on to direct movies like The Hangover, Joker, War Dogs. He also makes cameos in a lot of his movies, but he had a really tight grip on the comedy genre. And to me, this is the best college movie of all time because it's about these guys who are all friends in college and going back and reliving those days now in their late 30s and 40s. And it's a story about underdogs. They go and recruit these non-traditional students who are at risk of getting evicted from their house. It has the classic crusty, bitter old Dean played by Jeremy Piven. And what you learn in this movie about life, it's all about the ups and downs of post-college life, accepting your fate as an adult. It also teaches you more about fraternity and sorority life, college politics, and party culture. Also, so many memorable lines in this movie. I think the scene everybody thinks of is Will Ferrell going streaking. We're going streaking! Snoop! Snoop-a-loop! But my favorite line in any comedy, really, is always the most obscure line that I end up quoting time and time again. And it's always something that's not even meant as a joke, but for some reason, I just pick up on it and then use it later in my life. And my favorite line in the entire movie of old school is whenever they are taking their test, trying to prove the dean wrong. 
and they are taking the actual like written standardized test. And it's a scene where they're all sitting in the classroom and they're all cheating on this test. And it's very obvious because they all have an earpiece. And anytime the person down the line, which I think in the movie is Artie Lang as one of the guys feeding them the answers, they go and put their fingers up to their ear like they clearly have an earpiece and are listening to somebody give them the answers. But still, somehow, Jeremy Piven doesn't pick up on it. And there's a moment that Vince Vaughn just says this very sly, quiet line where he is essentially patronizing the dean and commending him on giving them such a great test. Good test. That's what I say. Good test. Good test. You probably can't even hear in that clip, but he whispers, good test. So I guess I've been talking about how I want to go back and redo my college experience. Maybe I'm just 10 years away from recreating old school. But at number one, it's not a college movie. It is a high school movie. It is from 1985. It is The Breakfast Club. And the reason I picked and put The Breakfast Club at number one is because if this movie didn't exist, a lot of these other movies I've been talking about would not exist It essentially became the blueprint of a teenage drama slash comedy, and it's the movie that really created and gave that voice to that generation in the 80s. It's also because the movie represents every single stereotype in high school. You have the bad boy, you have the rich sorority girl, you have the jock, you have the nerd, and you have the weirdo slash basket case. And it's about all those stereotypes coming together and realizing that they are not much different than each other. And I'm glad by the time I went to high school, this old school mentality started to change. There were still cliques, but it didn't really feel like a jock couldn't be friends with a weirdo or a rich kid couldn't be friend with a poor kid. I think later in the 2000s, we all became a little bit more accepting of each other and is probably an entirely different game right now in high school where none of the stuff that happened in movies from back in the day even exists anymore. So I feel like we have very much advanced in a society, but I feel like this movie was so important in the 80s to show we're not really that different. We don't need to hate each other just because of the stereotype we belong to. But it did, after you watch it, you think to yourself, who are you in this movie? I would have been the weirdo. Just hands down, I would have been that one. I just would have been the quiet weirdo. But it has a lot of great comedy throughout this movie. Probably my favorite scene is Bender facing off with the principal. Eat my shorts. You just bought yourself another Saturday, mister. Crushed. You just bought one more right there. Well, I'm free the Saturday after that. Beyond that, I'm going to have to check my calendar. Good. Are you through? No. I'm doing society a favor. So? That's another one right now. I've got you for the rest of your natural born life. If you don't watch your step, you want another one? Yes. You got it. You got another one right there. That's another one, pal. And not only that, you have one of the best uses of a song in a movie with the fist bump and the closing credits to match. Don't you forget about me. So at number one, the best high school and or college movie of all time, it is 1985's The Breakfast Club. There were so many honorable mentions I didn't get to. 1998's Can't Hardly Wait is also one of my favorites because I feel like, unlike all the other teen movies of the 90s, this one feels the least mean-spirited to me. It also has Jennifer Love Hewitt, who I feel like was the heartthrob of the 90s and my crush growing up. I also wanted to throw in Booksmart from 2019 because I feel like It is the modern version of Superbad from the female perspective. I also just love movies that take place entirely in one day. You also have 2008's The House Bunny, Legally Blonde from 2001, The Edge of 17, which is a really good high school movie with Haley Steinfeld. On the college side, you have Goodwill Hunting, The Social Network, and another great one from the 2000s, Accepted, which is pretty dumb when you think about it, but it has a lot of charm to it. So that is my list. I'll come back and give my spoiler-free movie review of Blue Beetle, and then we'll talk about Vacation Friends 2. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Let's get into it now. A spoiler-free movie review. I want to talk about DC's Blue Beetle. And before I even get into this review, I have to issue a Mexican bias alert. Because I know as a Mexican-American going into this movie, I was going to enjoy it more than the average person because you have your first Latino star in a DC superhero movie, Jaime Reyes, played by Zola Maridueña. You have a Latino writer, director, and primarily Latino cast. So I feel like for me, this is the first time I'm really seeing my people represented on the big screen in my favorite genre. Why is it taking so long? So there were a lot of things in this movie that just hit with me that made me realize they made this movie exactly for people like me. All of the references, even the music and the character names. I just knew that they had me. Even when I walked into the theater, our entire row was taken up by a Mexican family. And that just warmed my heart as well. You had a mom, dad, brother, cousin, and a baby. I'm not the biggest fan of always bringing babies into PG-13 rated movies, but I asked the kid what his name was and he said, Porfinio Mondragon. So I'm like, all right, let him in. So what this movie is about, our main character is named Jaime Reyes and his life is changed forever after this alien relic chooses him as the symbiotic host and he becomes the Blue Beetle. If you had to compare this movie to a Marvel movie, it's probably a lot like Ant-Man. So I feel like if anybody has a reason they're not gonna like this movie, it's because maybe you didn't like Ant-Man. Maybe there's just something about making a superhero movie about an insect that people get turned off by unless you're Spider-Man. But the comic book elitist will say that Blue Beetle came out before Ant-Man. But I always look at it from a film perspective and whenever they first debuted on the big screen. What I did enjoy about Blue Beetle is it was a very good representation of what a kid like Jaime would go through having this thing take over his body and transforming him into a superhero and navigating how to use these powers. I feel like there were a lot of moments in this movie that represented what I would do in the situation of figuring out how to fight, not wanting to kill other people, and overall just being overwhelmed by the process, which is something I feel like isn't really represented in movies. Throughout this entire movie, you see Jaime really struggle with it and have to come to his own to be able to harness the powers of the Blue Beetle and therefore become the Blue Beetle. So I felt like there was a lot of growth in his character. And that was just one of the ways I related to his character in the movie. He is the first in his family to go and graduate college. That is where we find him at the start of this movie. He just gets home from college. And then his parents deliver some pretty bad news that they are going through a lot of financial struggles. His dad is having some health issues. So his world kind of comes crumbling down as he's trying to start his new life. He feels like he has now let his parents down and is trying to find a way to support his family. And this is where I'm going to get into the bias stuff because I felt like 
Jaime and his family was such a great representation of the Mexican-American family that I've not seen portrayed at this level on the big screen in a big Hollywood production. I always feel like Mexican-American characters are minimized and sometimes we are caricatures or just bad versions of what Mexican life is really like. But there were so many things in this movie that felt authentic to me that I could tell that there were Latino actors trying to really portray things and put things in this movie that Mexicans actually do, that Mexicans actually listen to, that Mexicans actually eat, even trucks that Mexicans actually drive. This was all represented in this movie. I feel like George Lopez's character was a great representation of that. His name is Rudy. I have a brother named Rudy, so right off the bat, I was like, that could be my brother right there. And from the very first time he was on screen, he pulled up in his truck listening to Los Tucanes de Tijuana. And I was like, that would be the equivalent if you grew up listening to country music and had never heard an Alan Jackson song in a movie. And that was the first time you heard it. That is how it felt to me. And then when it comes to the language, which is a big part of this movie, I love that Blue Beetle committed to using Spanish throughout the movie. And at times the Spanish wasn't even subtitles and that felt more authentic to me. Because a lot of the stuff sometimes doesn't translate. I think if you grow up speaking Spanish, there are just some phrases we use that if you tried to translate it to English, it just wouldn't really make sense, but it makes sense to us. It's a pretty big risk using that much Spanish in a movie. You could turn a lot of people off, but I love the commitment to it. They also balanced it pretty well with using Spanglish, going back and forth between English and Spanish, which is something that... Mexican-American families are just accustomed to when your parents are from Mexico, your grandparents are from Mexico, you grow up in America. Primarily, you start learning English because you go to school here, but your parents still speak Spanish. And then through them going to work and living in this country for an extended period of time, they start to learn English. And the way we just communicate is mixing it all together. Oftentimes, when I call my mom, Sometimes I'll speak to her in English. She'll speak back to me in Spanish when I talk to my dad, kind of the same. Or sometimes we just go back and forth a lot. You could have an entire sentence where every other word is in a different language. And for some reason, we just get it. It works for us. And that is what was shown a lot in Blue Beetle. And it never felt forced or cheesy to me, which always turns me off in a movie when they have to overemphasize words like tortilla, taco, and stuff like that. I just rather them not use it at all. But in this case, I loved every instance of it. Everything from the way that their house looked. They had the Virgen de Guadalupe on the wall, from the TV shows they were watching, from the music they were listening to, like I mentioned before. Everything about it just felt so authentic. And then it comes to the characters, which I did relate a little bit with Jaime. Like I said earlier, being the only male in my family to go and graduate college, but he's also just like really good looking. So there was other things about his personality that wasn't exactly me, but the character that just kind of struck with me so much was the dad. If my dad was taken out of the real world and put onto the big screen, it would be Jaime's dad. And I felt like his character was so important for me just feeling this emotional connection to this film without the dad I probably wouldn't have felt this movie as much in my heart, but just the way he acted, the way he cared about his family, even just the way he spoke and the way he looked, that real just blue collar, working hard to provide for his family mentality, that is my dad. The character here is probably a little bit more positive than my dad. My dad curses a lot more and isn't as poignant with his feelings, but deep down, that is exactly my dad, especially the scene where he was having a heart to heart with his son and he was drinking a beer and telling him not to tell his mom. I've had many instances of that with my dad. And that's all I'll say about his dad. I do want to give a spoiler version of this review, getting all the topics and I'll talk more about his dad as I'm going to start getting emotional thinking about this movie again, which is something I really wasn't expecting for this movie to do. But I will share the line about coming to this country, and he said that crossing the border is hard, but you know what's harder? The 20 years after. And that was so true. I thought of my dad who came here as a teenager. He worked all these various jobs from cleaning escalators to doing maintenance to being a mechanic doing yard work and finally found his way being a truck driver and has now done that for over 30 years. So yes, coming to this country is hard, but what's even harder is building a life here and doing all the things to achieve that American dream. So that line is one of my favorite lines in any DC movie. And also just the fact that we finally have our own superhero now. The hard part comes in is I don't know what's going to happen to Blue Beetle after this. He's not really connected with the DCEU. 
We have Aquaman coming later this year, and it seems like James Gunn is just going to scrap everything and start new with Superman and build in all these characters. So I don't know what's going to happen with Blue Beetle. Will we get another movie? Probably not. And it hurts even more that it didn't really make much at the box office, which it wasn't really expected to. They didn't really spend that much on marketing or promotion. The budget was $104 million. And it opened to $43 million worldwide, which isn't great. And out of all the DCEU domestic opening weekend totals, it is at the bottom. It is behind The Flash. It is behind Shazam 2. Blue Beetle only opened to $24.5 million in the United States. But when I look at all these DCEU movies, everything from Man of Steel to Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Aquaman, the first Shazam, Birds of Prey, the only thing I would rank higher than this movie is the Suicide Squad. That's the only one. Maybe Man of Steel, given the day. Maybe it's because I just watched Blue Beetle and I have recency bias. But it was just so good that I feel like the money that it's made doesn't really represent the film. And that is a rare case. And I come on here and often I try not to just all out bash DC. I always give them the benefit of the doubt because they have such great characters. And this is a case where I don't even feel that it's getting that much hate. It just didn't really do that well because people weren't hyped about it. And you also have the strike going on. They couldn't really promote it as much. So the summer blockbuster season is also dwindling down right now that I feel like maybe it wasn't the right time for it to come out. But also, it's hard to sell a brand new character. And it's also speaking to a very niche audience if you are focusing on the Mexican demographic. But I feel like this is a movie everybody should get a shot to because I want to see more characters like this on the big screen. Doesn't always have to be a superhero movie, but I just love big blockbusters with Mexican faces in it. It just makes me happy. So now it comes down to what I will rate Blue Beetle. Let me remind you of my Mexican bias. I would honestly say if I wasn't Mexican and if I hadn't related with all of these characters, it would probably on its own be a three or a 3.5 at best. But the fact that this movie really got me emotionally and I was so invested in all these characters and it felt so familiar to me And it brought so much joy to see things that I've never seen in a movie from my background, from my culture. I saw me in this movie. I saw my dad in this movie. And I left the theater just completely riding a high that I had never really felt before. So again, probably a three to you if you're not Mexican, maybe a 3.5 if you just love DC. But I'm going to give Blue Beetle a 4.5 out of five scarabs. And I will say at times, the acting is a little bit cheesy. That is probably what kept me a little bit out of it in the beginning. I'd say in that first 10 to 15 minutes, it felt a little bit like a cheesy action movie to me. Like there's a big dark villain and then you have this nice kid and then they're all gonna clash together. And I was worried about that. But once the action got going at the end of that first act, I felt like that cheesiness kind of went away. It creeps back every now and then. And this movie doesn't really go way beyond the superhero formula. It stays pretty close to it. So again, this is with the Mexican bias, also with it hitting me more emotionally, which I will explain more in the spoiler review. So probably on a normal day, I would have given it a four. But because of the impact it had on me, I'm sticking with that 4.5 out of five scarabs. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Vacation Friends 2 is coming out soon on Hulu. Depending on when you're listening to this, on August 25th, it could be coming out this Friday. Or it could already be out. And this is a sequel I was not expecting to be as excited as I am. It's a very rare category where the first one, I don't want to say it's a great comedy because it's so ridiculous. And if it was a movie I would recommend to you and say this is a funny movie, you would probably watch it and think, Mike, what in your right mind are you thinking? Because it's so cheesy. It's so over the top, at times cringeworthy. But for some reason, I just kept thinking about Vacation Friends. And after watching it, I thought that was a good time. It didn't really test anything as far as the levels of comedy or push the envelope on cinema. But sometimes you just want a movie so ridiculous that you can turn your brain off, not think about anything except every ridiculous action that is happening. And then, you know what? That was a fun time. It accomplished what it needed to do. I didn't go to the theater to see it, so no harm done. And then watching the trailer for Vacation Friends 2, I thought, they might actually have something here. And I'll explain more why that could be the case. But the premise of this movie in the first one is it's just this couple who goes on vacation and ends up making friends with this other couple who are a lot of fun on vacation, even though they get into some pretty sticky situations. But then the vacation ends and they end up wanting to be friends in real life. So it's You are all right on vacation, but I don't really want to be friends with you in my real adult life. So the plot of Vacation Friends 2 is them reuniting again on the vacation and going on another ridiculous adventure. This one looks a little bit more action-packed. The fact that the first one was, I guess, a moderate success that they could make a sequel. They got a little bit more money to play around with in the budget, and it almost looks more like a comedy action movie now. So here is just a little bit of Vacation Friends 2. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Just found this crawling under our table. He's He's crawling? crawling? It's your first time? It's a prodigy, it's amazing. I've never seen that much water come out of a person before. Did I throw up a lot? Your butthole threw up, bud. So who would have thought that Lil Rel and John Cena would be a great on-screen comedy duo and be a pair that I would want to see in another installment of a movie that is utterly ridiculous. And I have no shame in saying that this is a comedy I enjoy, even though I know on paper it isn't a great comedy. How I would compare this, if you went to a restaurant and ordered dessert and they gave you a little Debbie snack, you would say, This is not what I was expecting. I was expecting some gourmet dessert created by a chef. But if you ate that little Debbie snack, whether it be a honey bun or a brownie or a Swiss cake roll, you would eat it and think, you know, that's actually pretty good. It's just not what I was expecting in this moment, but it gets the job done. And little Debbie snacks are really nobody's favorite dessert. But if you're at a gas station and you have nothing else to eat, you eat it and enjoy it. It reminds you of your childhood. Vacation Friends 2 is the little Debbie snacks of comedy. Probably has a little bit too much sugar you're not really a fan of all the ingredients because what they do to your body so overall it's probably not the best for you but there's just something about the way it goes down that really hits that spot i almost feel like it is the new hangover getting a sequel now i feel like it has the potential to be a new franchise like that it will never reach the level of popularity or cultural impact that a hangover has 
because it has less star power. It also has less eyes on it. Being a 20th century studios film debuting exclusively on Hulu, I just feel like no comedy is ever going to have that big of an impact anymore as it did in the 2000s. But I really got to give it to 20th Century Studios of really knowing their lane when it comes to comedies. They're not really putting out anything completely groundbreaking, but I feel like anybody who just needs that itch scratched of having a new comedy, they're very much feeding that audience. So they kind of found their niche here and really just going after that dynamic of comedy. And it can be all types of comedies whether it be just wacky, over-the-top comedies like this, dark comedies, more sophisticated comedies, they're very much just owning that genre right now. So I feel like that is why Hulu has creeped up into one of my favorite streaming services because they are taking chances on movies like this. And this has been one of the first cases of me seeing a sequel to one of their comedies. So it's coming out on Hulu on August 25th. It takes place just months after the original Vacation Friends. So if you haven't seen that one yet, I would say start with that one. And if you're completely turned off by it in the first 30 minutes, you're probably not going to like the rest of it. But if you end up enjoying it, then I think you'll be like me and be excited, oddly, for Vacation Friends too. They're also throwing Steve Buscemi in the cast now. So either they're doing something right or all these actors are just doing these movies to get a paycheck. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. But before I go, I got to give my listener shout out of the week. This week, we are going over to Twitter because I posted the question, what is your favorite high school or college movie of all time to get an idea of what you had to say? And this week's listener shout out is to Gina Blades, who replied with her top three that include The Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like I said, the 80s were a great time for high school movies. Fast Times at Ridgemont High probably should have made my honorable mentions. My favorite thing about that movie is Sean Penn started a trend with the slip-on checkered bands. After his character wore them in that movie, it was on the poster. Everybody started wearing the checkered bands. And look, 40 years later, they're still popular. So thank you, Gino, for sharing your top three. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go out and watch good movies. And I will talk to you later. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.